1: Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at Popcorn Talk. It's October, it means it's Halloween, there's hell on Earth, and what better place to go than, of course, at Hellfest. Stay tuned.
0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's
1: Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we enter the depths of hell and feast... we have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. Hey, Phil. How's it going? It's, it's a be- better than those kids. <laughs>
0: did you survive Hellfest?
1: I did. I, I survived Hellfest, and I'm here to tell about it. I am Phil Svitek. Uh, missing in action today is Marissa Serafini, although she is safely in the engineer booth at the moment. Right. Um, we are talking <laughs> about Hellfest, of course, the movie from CBS. And for those of you new to the show, first off, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out. Uh, First, right off the bat, to note is we are spoiler-filled, meaning that we assume you've seen the movie, so we're going to talk about it from that perspective. We will not only talk about the plot lines, but we're going to go behind the scenes and talk about the making of, and of course, the box office and the reception, or the lack of reception in this case. (laughs) There's your tease for that. Um, And last but not least... If you want to follow along, we do provide a link to our research. It's in a PDF that you can download in the description box, so you can follow along. But without further ado, let us begin. And where we always begin is with our overall impressions. So, Dimitri,
0: what did you think? It wasn't miserable. Uh, I I respected and appreciated this movie for what it was. And it it truly was a – it's a B-schlock horror movie not unlike all of the Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth ripoffs that happened uh, after each respective movie came out in the very late seventies, very early eighties. So liken it to a terror train, a Hell Night, a Prom Night um, type of a movie. It started off. I was a. It started off to me as if the 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 characters, like they they were like Rob Zombie written like I just. I wasn't liking them. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. But as the movie started to go along and things started to happen, I got into the movie. I thought, like the I thought the second half was was even was better than the first than the first half. The introduction to our to our killer, I thought, was very interesting. And I think the, I think the concept itself is extremely interesting. Uh, we will talk about. The concept and how I actually felt years ago when I first moved here, um, of being in my own little bit of a hell fest, uh, out here in LA doing a, a particular parade. But yeah, my, my thing is, is that if you're going to go full boat in doing this retro kind of a movie and it had it all, it had the the killer, it had like the teenagers, um, it had this really great environment and setting. It had blood and gore all over the floor. Nobody with a spoon. It didn't like really like what I was expecting. Is the wink nod? Like it didn't have like the uh, the body count at the end. When 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 the when the lone survivor survivors are running away and they see their friends like in various disarray of, of death. Let's say, and I was sort of kind of expecting that in this movie, and I thought that since everything else was stylistically fun, that this would have happened. I was surprised at the the neat little twist that sort of kind of happened at the end. It made me go, "Okay, this is mm-hmm. going to be interesting." If there is a Hellfest two, which I'm not entirely sure. All in all, I did have fun watching this horror movie. Not the be all end all of horror mm-hmm. movies. I've seen better this year, and I'm hoping to see better. Within the next week or so, but uh, all in all, not too bad. See, for me, you normally,
1: like writers and so forth, they start with the 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 bullet points. Yeah, we we start, we kind of lay it out, and as an outline, if, even if you read the Wikipedia description, it's interesting. Sure, but then you got to fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. and I feel like they didn't fill in the gaps. They they had a good premise. I, I think a lot of the, the elements were there, but mm-hmm. they didn't execute them. A lot of the stuff was just there to be there. In particular, one of the most egregious parts of the movie was: "It's been hard. Let's go to Spain." Okay, we're going to Spain. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna you're <laughs> gonna eat tapas,
0: and I'm gonna be topless. All I, right. I don't. I sure. don't. Again, that that to me was one of the of the weak. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like they didn't mention any like that whole dynamic between the those kids. I felt like I walked in in the middle of something cuz I knew really nothing about them. Yeah. If that and makes that, sense. And
1: that's okay, but you got to you, you you know, a movie's got to play out and you got to start to understand what is important to them. Right. And and by that respect, if you know, kind of kick things off you know the main plot point or the the, the I don't know perhaps it, like from the character's perspective Natalie seems to be our main character and her biggest thing is she wants she wants things to go well with Gavin he's right. the first one killed so if things can't go well like that, that entire storyline then becomes null and void right obviously she doesn't know until much later in the movie that he's that that he's dead and that's a possibility um But it just seemed very much like, okay, where are we going with this?
0: Yeah, I felt the same way, but I sort of kind of looked at that as being kind of clever. And dare I say a little bit bold, because you did kill off this character that you felt was going to at least make it to the last quarter of the movie. And he gets capped pretty early and really pretty well. Um, So... To me, I thought that was kind of a bold move. And again, but it goes back to my, like, there was no body count or whatever. Because here's the, like, the premise, you're right, is cool. And they set it up really good because it, it starts with that murder of a girl in an amusement park. And then the body is used as a prop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, oh, okay, we're going to see these. We're going to see our hapless victims as part of mazes, and that's how we're going to have the body count or whatever, but we never see them again, really.
1: Maybe, maybe I, I want to ask you this, and yeah. this showcases perhaps a little bit of stupidity or nativity on my part, but um, when they showed that opening scene, I thought, okay, we're right in the middle of it, then we're going to backtrack how we got here. And for, I don't know, because all the women that he initially killed looked exactly like Natalie mm-hmm. so the first girl that supposedly happened that was um that was years ago and right. she kind of looked like Natalie then the girl he stalks that he kills in front of Natalie looked somewhat similar to Natalie right. and so I got confused as to okay was that is basically this where we're headed he's gonna kill Natalie um so I don't know I, I and I I had us, and I know everyone's probably commenting, like, oh, how could you be so stupid? But but I think a simple thing of, like, you know, three years later or something like that, because what really confused me was, um, what's her name? Taylor, and those guys, they were making fun of it. Like, three three years ago, somebody was killed, blah, blah, ha, ha. I was like, oh, no, they're just joking.
0: I was like, wait, are they really, or are they not? Well, see, and I and I did, again, I, I understand what you're saying. Not Not stupid, I mean, but I just did take it that when they said like, I was, I just felt that it was at a Hellfest prior or, or some other type of haunted maze kind of thing prior to what our kids are going to go through. So when they mention three years, like, somebody died and they didn't know until they smelled the body and it was actually one of the things. And yeah, three years was a long time and there should have been some semblance of a title card, like... Three years ago, present day, something, you know, and and the director Gregory Plotkin, you know, he himself uh, has said that Halloween is his favorite movie and Halloween starts off with a title card that says like 1963 and then Halloween today, like present. So we know that 15 years have passed. It's 1978. And it's not uncommon in horror movies to use that device, but he didn't use it here. So I can under—I wouldn't say it's stupid. I can understand the confusion. Well, the, the flip and,
1: is also true because sometimes you start at the end, you know, or or true. like right at the kind of climax, right before the end, and say, you know, three weeks earlier, like what right. got us to that point, right? Um, I'm thinking like War Dogs, for example,
0: is like that. But there's plenty of mm-hmm. hundreds of examples. There's tons of movies like that. You know, I didn't put the visual together which makes sense and and maybe to an extent it might almost tie into the very very end of the movie which we'll talk about later i guess um bef- even you know before we sp- don't spoil it now <laughs> but i felt he was the killer was keying on people who seem to be mocking the whole maze horror nights kind of thing and like The false bravada. Oh, I don't get scared. Oh, it's silly to be scared. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to key in on that and make them scared to death, literally. Because that happened throughout the entire. That was a setup of the first death mm -hmm. that we saw. and Even the one that took place in front of Natalie, that girl said the same thing, too.
1: Yeah, the, the I believe that girl's name was Brittany. Not that. And he would have known that. Right. So, okay, that, that's an interesting premise, because in that sense, do you think he would have left Natalie alone? Because he gives her that, shh, we have basically a silent agreement, but Taylor turns around and gives him the finger multiple times. You know, yeah, minimum wage worker bum.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you don't do that to a man behind a mask. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, I mean... You know, it's it's a th- I go to these horror maze things, you know, I've been through a good handful in my lifetime, and to me, the, the the fun is is that you know that you're going to be scared, but there are always those people who have that bravado, oh, this is so silly, like, why don't you pay the money to go do this? Not that I'm going to go and put on a mask and start killing these people, but that was, like, you always hear that when you go to those types of, you, you can always hear it or see it somewhere, Um so that's what I thought that the killer was keying in on. So I found it interesting that you that you keyed in on a more visual sense, which in a sense, uh, like where I was going, like, oh, but well, we'll just talk the end. When we see what happens at the end, the killer comes home, see him in a workshop, puts the mask down, puts something else down. I forget what that was. But the right? photos. The photos. From the photo booth. And then walks into the house and we see a little girl watching TV and he starts doing the pop goes the weasel. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? And which she says, daddy. And we never see the face of the killer, which I thought was interesting. I guess when you think of it, she could grow up to be a girl that looks like Natalie. Maybe. But, you know, who knows? You know, who knows what the motivations are? And that's one of the things, too. Pardon me, that I found kind of creepy because you don't know what's motivating this person to do Well, and what he's it. doing.
1: It is interesting. Like it, by that logic, if he's just going after people that have sort of wronged him, I mean, Taylor should be front on that list. <laughs> Gavin didn't do anything. Natalie, you know, she's scared as can be. She certainly didn't do anything. So it's the ones that, quote-unquote, should deserve to die by that logic as Taylor and
0: Brooke. I think they were all guilty by association. I think the the, the deeming is putzes. They're like <laughs> yuppie scum or whatever, you know? And then they also did sort of kind of stand up to him. and Even, uh, what was the boyfriend's name again? Gavin. Gavin. So, yeah, I mean, and I think he was just going to whittle down until he got to his main victim to show, look what I did. All because oh. of your, of your, I don't know, ignorance or blasphemy of horror parks. <laughs> Damn you!
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. But um, yeah, ever it, that that was the interesting part was why, right? And I think um, in, in that sense. When you have as one of the things... I, I agree with you as far as the kill count. Because we have a group of six and four people die. Now, granted, we get the two extra deaths, but that, that only takes the kill count to six. Right. Um, and I, Yeah, I, I think that w- what wasn't as fun for me was if you're not going to be about your main characters and they're going to kind of be killed off or maybe once saved, then be about the killer and just, in a way we're all living out our fantasies and he's just killing everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sucks to say, but like there is fun in that where, you know, hopefully if you're someone like you or me, that you're just enjoying it from the perspective of like, Oh, I would never do this, but it's good to get my demons out. Sure. Th- right. Through a visual medium.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I get that and, and a low body count is fine. Like I wasn't complaining necessarily about the low body count, but I felt that the, I believed that the premise was to use the bodies and they were going to be part of the maze. Mm-hmm. Like like the like the the dead body, instead of it being a mannequin, it was gonna be like a real deadly like a real body. Mm-hmm. Um it was sort of in a way as much as a like a almost like a house of a thousand corpses kind mm-hmm. of a thing, which had this similar theme of using the dead bodies instead of mannequins. But I felt that. And that's an interesting premise to me. Like when you're in a maze and arms are sticking out of something or legs are coming down and you don't, you just assume it's all fake. Mm -hmm. Like, and then if you're coming up and, you know, there's something in front of you, like a maquettes and like some scene where somebody's head is bashed in and but it's an actual body of head bashed in, that's frightening. And when you don't know and when you're in that situation, when it's so crowded, well, or not so crowded, that was the other thing that sort of kind of got me about this Hellfest is I'd been to these things, the lines, these are, it, it, was, it wasn't crowded. I'm like VIP, bitches. But there's no <laughs> VIP for a bathroom. That was the emptiest bathroom. At an event like this that I've ever seen in my life, and and again, I get the VIP passes to to go th- by that line because that the regular line is three hours. That's how crowded these things get. And this looked, you know, they, I, maybe they didn't have it in the budget to get more extras. <laughs> I don't know, but it wasn't. Well, it, uh, I think it would have complicated
1: up. too many things. Yeah, and maybe and, I don't know. I think that's what it is because you you want it, but but. When you kind of talk about like a kill count and whatever, like that, therein lies the fun. Okay, you start with going after one person, but all of a sudden there's multiple people there. Okay, gotta kill you, slash, right. <laughs> Moving on to to the primary target. Um, I I do want to because I I joked about it. VIP bitches, I um, it's my jumping off point to talk about Gavin, yeah. who I thought was the more inconsistent character because he has that line that bravado at the beginning and he's like handing out like again vip bitches right and it shows that okay he's he's got some cojones maybe or whatever you want to call it
0: and then he's one of the lamest people imaginable yeah he's sort of like well yeah it's like like yeah i was thinking no yeah he's sort of almost like me (laughs) um like he was the gentleman or he was like the overly nice guy but he couldn't win in any one of the games which i thought was really funny he kept on paying money. Those games suck. But I thought, <laughs> but, I thought he, and, like if, if he's gonna be, I thought he'd be like at least a rich kid, because he's like, I like the game where you exchange well, money. Yeah, but I didn't. What I didn't get is how did he get all the VIP tickets? Like, he what did he work them. for? He bought them. for well, okay, that's what I assumed. He I has to be rich that if he bought them, because those things ain't cheap at at any at any kind of horror fest to do that kind of thing. I thought it might have been through his job, but. I found his character somewhat interesting. I get how he was the being set up as the romantic, like it made no bones who our quote unquote heroine was going to be. But to your earlier point too, those are the confusion lies because you think it's going to be her and Gavin, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, the movie's really more focused on Veronica and her Brooke and Brooke, uh, Natalie and, Brooke. Or, and Natalie and Br- Natalie and Brooke and. Then it becomes, huh? Like, okay. So they kill Gavin. And it's like, all right, so he's dead early. Who are they going to focus on? And is she going to be the heroine who's running away and escaping and trying to get away from it all and have the last standoff with, with, with the killer? Wasn't necessarily the case. It really started to focus more on her relationship with their best friend that sort of came kind of came out of nowhere hence let's go to spain which comes out of nowhere in an empty bathroom
1: (laughs) yeah hey nothing's better than tapas and topless in spain (laughs) for sure um yeah i I agree um that's a a good way to look at it of of that shift and what what was interesting like they didn't never talked about gavin i mean um Brooke egged her on, and was certainly crude about it at certain points. But sure. but they never had like a meaningful conversation. Like it, instead of talking about the Sp- at Spain, they could have had a talk about Gavin. Of like, oh well, he's you know, how do you feel about him getting you uh, a stuffed teddy bear? Right, you know, things are yeah. looking good, huh? Yeah.
0: No, I I looked at Gavin. If I'm gonna go throwback, Gavin was. The Ben Tramer of Halloween, except Ben Tramer in Halloween was never really seen until poor kid gets hit by a car and torched in Halloween, too. But he was the person that Laurie Strode sort of kind of had a crush on. And that character was, well, if you know, used as if you. Lori, if you help me babysit my kids, I'll set you up with Ben Tramer. And he ended up being in a sense like this. He was the one that they were setting him up. Oh, you know, he says you're really cute and he likes you. And he was asking for you and all that stuff. And then they meet and I will give props. I thought how he was killed was somewhat clever because they set it up like he's, he's trying (laughs) so desperately hard to get the stuffed animal that he goes to the lockers of the characters where they supposedly have the cachet of all of these prizes, and he sees the mallet, the, the 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 big mallet, and he goes to pick it up, and he's like, whoa, and he can't pick it up, but yet our killer walks by and one handedly, like yeah. was it? I was like, oh, he's a pretty strong individual, and and that's where it, like
1: it was just such a disconnect. I, I wish had he struggled to pick it up, but he picked it up somewhat and like wobbled with it. That's different than just the guy can't even pick it up (laughs) i'm sorry i i i I just gavin i think is the most wimpy wimpy and weird character in existence and no offense like i don't think it's his necessarily acting skills but but just the way he's looking for all these dolls in in a sense it's like which one's gonna be just pick one yeah or just i don't know i like what was missing from that moment of Oh, she likes Nightmare Before Christmas. Where's um, a Jack one? Or she right. likes whatever. Just like you're searching for a specific one, right? Rather than which one of these are the best.
0: Yeah, 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 so, I, yeah. Again, it just goes. These characters really weren't written tremendously well, and and again, I didn't get a sense. I mean, and this is what like going back to the, like throwback, throwback. You know, the Friday the Thirteenth series. As it went along, you know, you were rooting for the bad guy. You were like, would you just please kill him or her already? Just have them shut up. They are annoying. <laughs> Done. And you're cheering for like that 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 shift happened where you were really rooting for Jason or the bad guy to kill these kids off because they were obnoxious. That was sort of what ha- was happening to me, especially at the beginning of the movie. It's like I don't care about any of these kids, but it was only for me what it was. It was the style and the suspense that plot built throughout because, like I said, I actually thought that it was clever, so so we understand the heft of the mallet. there was that other um there there was that dark ride that's taking them over to the actual hell fest, and the lights start flickering, and then you see the man with the mask on. And it was a nice bait and switch because you think it's the killer. And then when it comes out, it was actually meant to be like, you know. And so I was like, okay, that was clever. That And, and the way it was filmed, that was suspenseful. And when he's on top and the thing comes out and everybody, I really go, like, okay, that worked. It, it got me. I was like, but that it, was cool. Cer-
1: it certainly had its moments because I wish that, it had more. That in itself, as a scene, I really did appreciate because. Your your mind's thinking, because you know it's Hellfest, right? And, and part of the fun is like, okay, is it real, is it not? And the fact of, you know, uh, we we have an emergency, whatever they said. I'm trying to figure out, like, the right VO. But then there was an added line about uh, try not to lose your guts or something like that. Right. And so that kind of clues you in that something's part of the ride, but maybe he's not part of the ride, certainly. Right. And so it's like, okay.
0: Well, and they had set it up, too, that. They had set it up like we already knew what the killer's mask looked like. So we as an audience, much like again, uh, Veronica, Brooke, Brooke. Brooke, we're like Brooke going, oh shit, she's really being followed because we don't know that there are other characters that are dressed Mm -hmm. like this. And the way in which they were using the red light that would go off, and then the character would move and get closer. Um, almost like being moved as a chess piece closer and closer. And she's trying to get out of this thing. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. How is and My thing was, how is she gonna get out of this? And then we hear this scream and then it cuts. And then when we see that that, that buggy come through and the, and the character on top of her, and then just gets up and get off, and they're like going, oh my god, that was amazing. I go, Oh my god, that was clever! I <laughs> go, they got me. It was a twist that got me. Well,
1: I will give the movie a lot of credit visually. I thought it worked well. And they did. They knew how to use images to their advantage. So you know, whether it is the lighting or, in particular, with uh, he's called the other for whatever reason. But the other, right? He has he has the mask, but then our other clue. Eventually, we know we have to pay attention to not only the mask but the boot. And in that Correct. moment, we focused on the mask, and so we associated, like, okay, boom. But once we have this more information, we know mask and boot. Right. And uh, and then the movie, obviously, started using that, uh, certainly when Taylor's about to be beheaded. Uh-huh. And both times, I guess, realistically, yeah. you know, that's, oh, he's
0: got the boot. Yeah. And that's him. And again, that scene, too, I felt played out relatively well. because, And again, I, I didn't know... And this is where the chicanery or the, the the movie trickery was going on, because I thought, oh, my God, this audience is actually going to see a behead, like a live beheading. And everybody's going to think that it's fake because we're at Hellfest. And so then it, when it wasn't a live beheading, I started wondering, well, what are they doing? Like, what would have been more interesting to have... I want it when you, you know. talk about like wanting to kill somebody,
1: yeah. that was the moment I was Taylor, please die. Right. <laughs> Great acting, but I but I I think the purpose of the acting was for me to hate Taylor. Yes. And I absolutely hated her. She was so cocky and like, Oh, I've done laps around the seven deadly sins. Good for you. Now yes, die.
0: I was I you know, yeah, she reminded me of a of of uh one of the characters in uh Halloween ha- Halloween five and because the character was so over the top. The director told her to be more mm. and more over the top. But she became an annoying character. And you're like, annoying. And that's what I mean. In these sub, like these schlock B horror movies, they have annoying characters. And you start to root for the killer. You, nece- you shouldn't necessarily start to root for the killer. <laughs> But when characters, like, uh, yeah, and, and her character. Well, you start to empathize
1: on. with the killer of like, okay, yeah, yeah just
0: kill just her. shut up. <laughs> shut up. And and that was interesting, too, because I, I, and it, it just made me wonder, did we miss an opportunity where there was an actual lie beheading and nobody knows about it? And two, then I was wondering, is Tony Todd in? Tony Todd was the the carnival barker, mm-hmm. right? It was great to see Tony Todd. Back in a horror movie again, for me anyways. And is this traveling hell fast? Like, really, like, is it more than just one? Do they just go town to town to town? Ta- Are they a serial carnival <laughs> killer? Like, you know, It's a lot of prep. This carnival a, it, is it, big. Is, it was big. But, you know, and so, but then when uh, she actually gets killed... She's killed in front of it. See, that was bold to me, too, because the killer actually killed two people in broad view of everybody where there was no question that these two people were being killed. And that's when the panic set off. And I was like, wow, they just had this killer before he was doing it subtly, like within a ride and then using the body as a prop or whatever. These two people were killed in front of everybody to see. Well, that that
1: that's I do think that was a missed opportunity because if your ultimate goal is to cause panic, anyway, right? It, the, I don't I don't think you what they gained by not beheading her actually wasn't that great versus what if if you really beheaded her and caused that commotion and everyone's like oh we're having fun and uh, you still get the moment with uh, the 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 follow up with the security guy of like oh you know we're gonna have to call the police on you it's like.
0: No, that's her real head that's her head I know <sighs> and so, so you still get the same beats but 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 much more interestingly I think I thought and I was thinking that as I was watching it um especially if you're if you're gonna kill her, you're still gonna kill her right So kill her and you're in that amusement park and I think part of what makes the movie creepy, right is that? It's in an amusement park. It's a horror night amusement park. It's designed to scare people. There are mazes and, and people are in costumes and masks that are characters hired by. So if one of them turns out to be a serial killer, how do you know? Like, how do you, you know, and granted in today's world, there's a lot of video cameras going around. But even so, how do you know? And this is what I was getting back to years ago. And pretty much when I first moved to Los Angeles, I went with a group of friends and I did the, the, the famous uh, West Hollywood Halloween parade thing that they do, where they shut down like a ton of Santa Monica in West Hollywood. And it's just like a big people in costume just roam the street. And I was there with friends <laughs> on this particular night, too. I remember I was Michael Myers, which was good for me because a lot of people sort of kind of gave leeway. Not mm-hmm. a fake knife and everything, but I was with friends. But I kept on thinking, is even though I saw security and cops, I was like, there's far too many people here. All you need is one nut job in oh. a mask. And... It, that can, like, just stab people as he or she's walking around. I don't want to give anybody ideas, but that's what I felt the premise to this movie was. Well, I, which I, is I, sort I, of creepy. I
1: I mean, the, the idea of that... It's, it's a very Hitchcock idea that danger can come at any moment. Right. It doesn't just have to be a parade. It doesn't have to be a theme park. I mean, it, the fact that Halloween exists and people walk around in costumes <laughs> all across sure. America at any moment, <laughs> someone could be doing this. Sure. And... Does that mean like we should shut down Halloween? No, but it's that weird dichotomy right. danger danger comes from any moment um and so so I did appreciate that um but here the difference is obviously people are like the further into the park we go, the further people are volunteering to be scared and right. the conditions under which they're being scared like it's one thing to touch somebody, but apparently here uh you know at the at the end place, whatever we're calling it. And they can pick you up and run off with you.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, and that, like, at least the ones that, that I go to. Universal Horror Nights, which has always been fantastic. Um, whatever ones I've done, like Spooky Hayrides back in Boston and such. And I did a Haunted Hayride here in Los Angeles. It was also a good take for Halloween stuff. But the, the, the characters are given, and you understand, they're given very specific. They're really, they're not allowed to touch you. They can be sued. So they can be as scary as possible. That's what they're meant to do. So this one, and, and apparently it is based off of an actual horror uh, amusement type of park where the characters are allowed to touch you. I forget what it's called. I've never Their done it. Their insurance just went up. Yeah. Like, well, hey, I... Did you see this movie? Yeah, I've insurance. never done it. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure... Listen, I think they do a great job with mazes that they have, especially if you go to, like, a Universal Horror Nights. I get scared enough. I don't need somebody lifting me up. Well, if you can lift me up, God bless you. But even, like, I don't need somebody pushing and shoving me already. I think the jump scare is scary enough. I'm not even sure I'd be down for this. (laughs) You know?
1: Going back real quick to the moment with the beheading, you know, I, I think one of the things that a critic... Or a cynic, rather, might say of of doing it the way we proposed would be well. Then you lose the um, slow, methodical sort of killing, licking your chops, and you know that moment where she's like, "Oh, well, like get me the hell out of here." But I think you could still it, it, it still could have been accomplished because at that point we know there's got to be a fake head, and she's like, "Hey, are you going to put the fake head in, dude?
0: Yeah, fake head." Because afterwards and, there was no slow, methodical. Action. He chased him, stabbed her, turned around, stabbed the other guy right out in the broad, right out in public. And there was nothing methodical about that. But you're right. I mean, you can build suspense where we as the audience have a feeling something's going to go awry because our heroine noticed the boots and we're like, oh, okay. And she's trying to stop it. They already, and, and again, here's where it was clever. They just didn't take it to the next step is that. The cops are trying to... She's causing a panic, Mm -hmm. our main character. They're they're trying to pull her away. It's like, you know what? You're done. And meanwhile, we know it's taking place up on stage. And if there is a real beheading, you know, again, the killer could reach into the basket, pull out the fake head to hand it to Tony Todd. But we know what really happened. Mm -hmm. And... You know, Tony Todd's like, "Oh yes, this is great," and the blood's spurting out, and people in the audience. And then you cut to the audience going, oh "My God, that looks real! Look at how the blood is spurting out of there." To that effect, I think it would have just been it would have played out better.
1: So well, let's talk about the the climax, right? We sure. go uh, hell on earth, <laughs> essentially <laughs> this entire maze. Um, to be honest, I don't necessarily know. What makes one maze scarier than the next, <laughs> but supposedly this is like the end-all, be-all maze. Right. Um, the only thing that actually makes it the end-all, be-all maze is that this is more two surviving characters finally, you know, go head to head with the killer. Um, but I think, I, I you know, there wasn't that um, you know, like an animal when it plays with its prey. Sure.
0: Elements, s- small things, but not fully executed. True, and had it been, it would have been more Michael Myers-ish than this other. You know, I'm going to make the comparison because, in a sense, <clears throat> in a sense, this character was was in a very Michael Myers-ish, in which he stalked his victims. He stalked. He waited. He prayed. Followed them, um, but taking it further, Michael Myers was a, was was or is a character that toys like like a cat and mouse almost with with the with the victims. Here, I just felt like Gavin, for example, knew that this person was following them, but they never you know took it serious. So when it comes to the end, he does he doesn't end up like Bob in uh, 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 in Halloween, who gets hung up in a cabinet, you know he puts up a fight and he's trying to be the person that he he really isn't, but you don't really care as much because he wasn't part of the cat and mouse to begin with, and who is going to survive who's going who wh- what's the point and you said it earlier that Gavin really didn't do anything to him, but this killer was just following these. Group of kids because a couple of them were, you know, oh, well, you don't frighten me, get out of here, and whatever. Yeah, it was weird how we chose these kids. Well, I think, and he really folk zeroed in on them.
1: Well, at that so, point, on uh, yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's an opportunity. Like even if the killer lives, if there's a surviving character besides the killer, it's an opportunity to have them grow. Like they escaped. And lived another day because of something that they gained, something they didn't have before. Right. And in this moment, none of that existed. Like maybe maybe it was the fact that her and Brooke were on shaky waters, and now, like, in order to survive, they had to fully work together. Right. And so again, on paper, these bullet points work, but just the execution isn't fully realized.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. And I agree, hundred percent. That's a missed opportunity.
1: You know, the, at the end they're hugging and so forth, and I don't know. I, I, in a sense, I was kind of let down and waiting for a line of like, eh, at least we're going to Spain.
0: I, well, yeah, I love see, them, that like, would have been like such. That would have been so ridiculous at that point. But but you're right in that. Yeah, it's and again, that's where the missed opportunity comes, and that's why I, I liken it to, you know, you had really good pedigree. Um in a movie like Halloween. And then Friday the 13th is an offshoot of that. Pure and simple. And they used like Friday the 13th used to your point. They used the psycho Alfred Hitchcock kind of thing. They, you know, a mother who's voicing her son and she, the mother is actually doing the killing and and such, but this movie was more of the schlockiness. Like they didn't they could have made it pretty decently. I wouldn't have minded if she was the only one of her friends to survive and the why me of it all. Cause that's what makes things a little more horrific when you don't know why. And we, as the audience really don't know why we don't know what is, what's driving this person to do what he's doing. But, you know, obviously has something about Halloween and all, uh, and, uh, and about, um, you know, uh, Hellfest or horror nights at amusement parks. <laughs> yeah. Something happened. Um, so, is it important to have a motivation? In most cases, you don't need one. In but here, you do need you, need, you need, not
1: necessarily a motivation, but you need stakes or not implications. You need, you need emotion.
0: You need emotion. It's, right. Yeah, it's And weird. when you look at your best horror movies... And I'm not even just talking slasher films, but when you're looking at your best horror movies, a lot of the Blumhouse ones, it's you're driven by the character. You like the character. You know, and I found it really interesting because Greg Blotkin, and he worked on one of my favorite horror movies of the past year, Happy Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie, Phil, when you talk when you look at Happy Death Day, it doesn't give a reason as to why. What the hell's going on or why what is happening is happening this current loop right but you really fall in love with your main character you want her to get out alive so the reasons why st- stuff is happening isn't important, but the fact that she needs to get out of there alive is and over here we didn't have <laughs> i didn't there's no reason for me I like to go to Spain was not incentive of me to like these characters more.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, or the, <laughs> these were just very generic lines of "ooh, we're gonna give this to you so you care." It's like right. it, I really don't care. Yeah. Okay, so she's mad at Brooke because now she's living with Taylor. She has a problem with Taylor. I get why she would have a problem with Taylor. Oh, I do too. College but I don't get versus the... high school, or what? You know.
0: Yeah, but what was she calling a grade school? Grade and school. Like, that's I'm, it. Like I, I'm like. Okay, it's like again. I felt like I, I, I stepped in in the middle of something that I have no idea. I, I was like the friend that's brought along, and I'm not part of this dynamic because I have no idea why you're calling her grade school. Like I got, in, there's no reference. Well, I, I I
1: understood it as far as she's, she's like a child, right? She gets scared easily. She doesn't do bad things. Doesn't do drugs. Doesn't this, you know who knows that and we don't even know if she's a virgin or not. <laughs> like, so that's what to me, it implied. Okay. So I, I, I got it. But, but as far as, you know, I don't know. There was part of me like, okay, either the killer's going to kill her or you're going to stand up to her. Right. And give her to the killer to kill. Yeah. Like, Hey, homie, we had a silent agreement. Here's her. Kill her. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, – why don't we shift into more of the production aspects? Sure. So, uh, kicking things off, we'll we'll start with the tie-ins to Happy Death Day because there are a few. Yeah. Number one, our director, he's primarily an editor, right? So he was an yeah. editor for that movie. He was also an editor for Get Out, which was also last year.
0: Yeah, and that was a Blumhouse. I mean, his career actually is quite – Plotkin's career, I think it's quite fascinating. And it really does go, show, improve, you know – with with a little bit of hard work and some elbow grease, he he went to school. I believe uh, it was UCLA. I think he went to, but he went as an English major. So the film stuff sort of kind of came as an afterthought. He he worked on a movie. He was a PA, and um, from then he just like wanted to try to be become an editor. And his he worked his way up, and he he from Blumhouse. In fact, they 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 gave him the gig to 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 edit paranormal activity too, and you know he was like yeah i took the job even though he had a lot of people tell him this is a low budget shitty horror movie what are you going to do that for and he's like no i'm going to do it i'm going to do it and and he did and yeah he just worked his way up and he he continues a relationship with Blumhouse happy death day um get out uh, uh, get out and then he was given this opportunity by the likes of Gale Ann Hurd. Like, okay, Walking Dead, but Terminator movie. She's had a relationship with with James Cameron. She's a, she's a powerhouse woman in this industry. And, here yeah, we want you to direct this movie. Which he said no to at first. Which I, which I love. And he goes, hey, I read the script. I thought it was okay. I thought there was more of a whodunit element and being his love of horror he said he gave some notes they took his notes seriously and they said okay we'll do this you want to do this now and I go, okay yeah yeah
1: well that and I uh, love that even uh yeah it's it's a very fantastic story and uh, <clears throat> the other connection being the killer's mask was designed by the same person who designed the mask yeah. for Happy Death yeah. Day so and and by symbiosis. working
0: on it um he basically you know cuz the mask in Happy Death Day is it's laughably scary, right? And uh, he really liked what the guy did with it. And he called. He didn't really have a relationship with him, but he called the director of Happy Death Day, who put him in touch with him, and he's like, hey, I'm doing this movie. Can you help me out? And the guy's like, sure. And he came prepared. He came with tons of, like, different options that they went over until, pardon me, until they, they, they came across the final mask, which is in itself... They did a good job. It's a creepy hmm. mask. It you is cuz it's yeah.
1: deformed. You could see the, you, you can half see the eyes mm. sometimes you can't. Yeah. So that that certainly played in its favor. And for the most part as as we've kind of mentioned, the movie's not without merit. If if you isolate small sections of it in terms of its editing and e- execution in terms of performance and shooting, I, I think there is stuff there. There's stuff to be proud of. It's Absolutely. just not the, the the whole doesn't fully connect. Uh,
0: and I don't disagree with 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 that um, assessment at all. I also find it interesting too because Parkin does talk about you know he was asked, well, what is your your experience as an editor? What did you bring with that experience to directing? And he's like, oh my god, he, his and, and this made a lot of sense to me. He's, as an editor. I know what a director needs for coverage to pick up. And I can work with the director and say, this is what you're going to need. This is a great shot. And this to me too, this is great. He goes, so as a director, I already have in my head, I know I'm going to have my master shot, but I also know what I'm going to need for coverage. So I'm going to give my editor like the best possible coverage to put this movie together. It was edited well. I wasn't necessar- I wasn't confused about things. Uh if anything, the editing built suspense in in certain scenes, like the one we talked about with the buggy and the other. Um so yeah, I, I think he has a career in directing these sort of things, especially with Blumhouse, if he wants to if he wants to. You know, I think it can only get better. Yeah, and, and I
1: think that's true in terms of once you you also know the exact coverage you want, so you tend to not shoot overly. So, right. for example, I'm I'm sure he knows. Okay, the the foot is going to be a major part of it, so I got to get the foot a lot of times. So when you talk about coverage, yeah, he's got his master shot, but we're going to specifically get that foot, right? Um, the boot. And, and I I also think he knows the pacing of certain things. He knows when to be fast, when to be slow, right? Uh, and so the way the killer walks, like that, that plays a role into it. Um, you know, and one of the one of the things I really did love was the combination of the sound. Yes. I thought the score
0: itself for this was one of the highlights. It was, and uh, I saw this in like an IMAX kind of presentation, and the sound, the sound was great because you're getting the horror house sounds, mm-hmm. and they were playing all over to put that audience almost as if they were in the maze themselves and it Mm -hmm. sounded really good. Um, The music wasn't really overdone whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I felt that it worked. I, I, I felt that it worked too. You know, and those are, again, going back, those are the parts that I enjoyed. And being, I really like horror movies and there were times where it was suspenseful for me. I didn't buy the whole thing. I don't think the entire thing is super... Um, but I at least appreciated what he attempted, and he didn't disrespect the genre that no. he was trying to pay homage to. <laughs> so, no, not at all. Um, yeah.
1: <clears throat> no. Interestingly enough, like the thing that excites me is that there could be a sequel. Because um, it's often... like If this was one and done, I'd be bummed because, to me, it's a missed opportunity. The mm. fact that it could continue at least... Showcases that okay, we have room for improvement, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we we improve. True,
0: true, and sometimes, oh, you know, and that it's happened, it's happened um, with the movie Ouija. Ouija is a great example. That the first movie was bad; like I disliked it. I didn't dislike Hellfest as much as I disliked the first Ouija movie. When they announced they were going to make a sequel to Ouija, I'm like, are they out of their minds? The first movie was horrible. The second movie was really... Horrific. It was horrific. It was a really good movie. And I was like, damn, that doesn't happen in horror often. The other fantastic um, example that I can say is Annabelle. Marissa Marissa saw that. We saw the original... Marissa was scared out of her seat. I really have good memories of that. That movie's (laughs) terrifying. It's not a good movie. Annabelle Creation, they made a better movie. And the first one wasn't that great, but the second one was really good. So, come on. Mm -hmm. Locken, you're from the Blumhouse school there. Make a better sequel. Like, and, and you've already laid the ground rules for Hellfest. Make a better sequel. Yeah. Like, now that you set us up with that ending, which was kind of cool and creepy. Very, oh, and it's what it's does it. he do? And what does the father do? He gives her the doll. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Oh, look what I have for you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I thought that that was very clever. It
1: was. It's a very chilling thing to end on and certainly leaves you intrigued and... As I said, wanting more. Yeah. Um, One of the interesting parts in terms of promotion, they have teamed up with uh, Six Flags in L.A., St. Louis, and Chicago. Scheduled. It already started up September 28th all the way to October 31st. They will have a walkthrough haunted house experience um, with Hellfest. Yep. Now, I have not
0: yet been. I don't know if they can touch you. I doubt it. <laughs> no, I didn't know they're they're not supposed to with six flags. But I did find um, the the one of the inspirations, haunted things is this thing called Netherworld. Mm-hmm. Um uh so so that was one of the yeah, definitely inspirations for this Hellfest uh mm-hmm. that he did. But yeah, I mean from a promotion standpoint it makes sense. You do it in six flags, you know, because you can get a couple of them. I mean it's not going to be done at Disney. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. I get yeah. it.
1: Um uh, I want to get your opinion on the posters cuz a lot of them um, showcase kind of the amusement park aspects, mm-hmm. but it didn't have really our
0: kids. There <laughs> was one that that did that was a really I mean it was a throwback poster where you had the this isn't it. Um it's one of the more recent ones that came out for Hellfest, and but it was definitely one of those that looked as if it were like a painting, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It wasn't like using photo; it was photorealistic art, yeah. but not using photographs. Uh, and I thought that it was really cool. You know, the, the the promotion for this movie they came out with it was it, it was limited. I mean, look, they took. A page uh, that's the one that's the one i like that one and you have the characters there and you like for those a, of you on i uh
1: for those I of you know, in audio, on the audio um, you can't see it I'm just, just google button. it and you can sort of find it it's um i don't know, the top part is red and the bottom half is dark bluish. so if that's any indication of what the poster <laughs> yeah
0: is. It, i mean that's that's a good poster that that that's a good poster you know the trailer i saw the first trailer i thought oh it was okay I remember seeing it at CinemaCon, and it sort of stuck out from everything else we'd been seeing that day. Um, but it wasn't until like their most recent one that I was like, "Okay." The more I started, I was like, "You know, I'm getting into this." I mean, I like horror movies. I like the idea and the concept behind it. So, I'm not saying you know I didn't go in with the highest of expectations. It didn't. It didn't make me angry, uh, and I thought the marketing was 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 decent, especially like that's a good poster. That has what you want. And it really is a great throwback kind of a poster. I mm-hmm. felt, but the first one, you're right, it doesn't. It, meh, yeah, meh. yeah. I mean, I, I the
1: premise hooked me, and I know it hooked a lot of people that I know. And the the sad part is that they felt a little bit let down. And you know, C on Cinema Score certainly
0: indicates that's s- not good. <clears throat> not good, you know. And it was, uh, I think, the last I checked, too, 44 um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which <laughs> For a horror movie doesn't necessarily mean you know it's death. not like the death for a horror movie forty four. If you're getting any polar wear above fifty percent, you're you're doing pretty good. But a C, that's not good
1: on that, cinema score. Yeah,
0: yeah, a C on cinema score that that that's a thumbs down, and people really weren't enjoying themselves. They did they didn't feel scared, and maybe taking a point from from you maybe they felt that there to be scared you need steaks like and I'm not talking the kind you order a steakhouse you, there, there needs to be some some stakes involved there really wasn't any but again when you watch some of these schlocky hell night prom night, kind well, of movies or even at least my bloody valentine here's the thing <clears throat>
1: then in that sense then go for it have fun with it be a zombie beavers and have an absolutely ridiculous premise of like what is this right. uh, and it didn't necessarily have what it had elements of good filmmaking of good horror mm-hmm. but not fully realized and conversely it had none of the comedy I think People were expecting this to be just an all-out, ridiculous, perhaps well, were, slasher comedy.
0: Yeah, and, I, and you know, I think Blumhouse has spoiled the horror-going audience because when you go see their movies, they're, 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 they're a little bit higher, like, like a Happy Death Day or, or even a Get Out, if you want to put that in a horror. They've been making, within these past few years, some quality horror that have legitimately been scaring people. So that's what you're – this has that air of being that kind of a movie. And when you look at the budget, $5.5 million, that's that's great. Okay. Um, but I think people had the Blumhouse expectation. And even though the guy came from Blumhouse and most of the people don't care, they don't know that he worked on those other movies and mm-hmm. unless they really look them up. They're just going in because they saw it. It looks like this type of a movie and it didn't really deliver. Doesn't really deliver that, and I think that's where the C comes in. That hurts you later on down the line. Uh, well, so. the good
1: news is you know <clears throat> it's it raked in about five point one million, so not the highest, but in terms of its budget, there's a way to make it back. Um I don't know what they spent on advertising and all that, but I think it can make its money back. Yeah, then, I
0: mean, if there were five point five million, let's just let's go low end hard prints and advertising. They went out on all, they went out on just a little over 2000 locations, 2297. It came in at number six, um, for 5.5, you got to figure at least 10 to, it, they probably probably 15, 15 plus million all in hard drives, advertising billboards, television, which I, they, I don't recall I don't seeing that. a lot on TV. Um, So, you know, it did open up in a foreign territory. Not great. You know, our our total is seven, almost seven and a half million dollars. They could make it up in ancillary markets. If it expands, um, it could do some more. It can do some more money. Um, A sequel isn't out of the realm, but it even as bad as Annabelle was or even as bad as the first Ouija movie was. They made money. So you can understand why they say, Well, let's go back to that well, but we can make a we can do it better. We can yeah. take the criticism, make better movies. If they do decide to do that, and I get, I would have no qualms, make make Hellfest two better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. Well, that does it for our dissection of Hellfest. <laughs> Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed it. We've certainly enjoyed talking about it. But sure. the conversation doesn't have to end just because we go off air. No, that's what the comment section's for. Um, We'd like to interact with you guys. A lot of you have very interesting opinions. So we we truly, truly do appreciate that. They do. And, they
0: know how to interact. Indeed. And nicely, too.
1: Yes, you guys are very, very smart. What I was saying about me being stupid, you guys are the opposite of that. Um, in the meantime, you can also interact with us uh, more more directly, let's say, uh, at DMovies1701 for Dimitri. That's his Twitter handle, so
0: he will... Please, support. I'm always throwing stuff out about horror movies, too. Uh, We do a lot of... uh, We talk a lot of horror on the Popcorn Talk, the other show that I'm on, Meet the Movie Press. We're always talking about horror. Uh, We even have our own little segment called The Blumhouse Corner. Uh, So... Yeah, I'm in a horror big time, going to a, a horror convention, a Halloween convention next week. Can't wait to see that movie. But interact. Yeah, please do. It's always, it's a ton of fun.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of horror movies, we have lots of horror movies in our collective past. So if you want to catch up on some of them, absolutely. Um, to interact directly with me, I'm at Phil PhilSvitek. And shout out to Marissa in the booth at Serafini TV. if you want to tweet her some scares. Um, <laughs> And last but not least, we must update you on what we will be, what's coming down the pipeline. A Star is Born we're covering next week. We're also gonna cover the new Venom movie, and beyond that, we've got a, now we're heading into some great movies. Not that we weren't before, but now we shift from summer to fall, different season. We're gonna be doing Halloween as well, the new one. So lots to look forward to. We'll keep you updated. But next week so, it is A Star is Born, and it is Venom.
0: And and. Don't we have some news to share with our audiences as to how I have news? we can Oh, we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. That's
1: right. So if you're an audio listener, and a lot of you guys are, and Spotify is a great place to listen to stuff. A lot of you listen to music there. Well, guess what now? You can listen to podcasts. More specifically, ours. And also, as Dimitri mentioned, Meet the Movie Press and uh, Horror Movie News. Shout out to all the Popcorn Talk shows.